Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 336. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this, uh, I don't know, this is a gloomy Friday morning for me. Good morning to nobody except Julius Randall's son, who I'm sure is behind these Skechers Goodyear colorful childlike sneakers i'm doing all right yeah yeah um hopefully he is wearing nikes when the season starts i'm not sure i want to see julius randall playing in sketchers for an 82 game season um but that is neither here nor there uh, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first one is that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram, posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you have not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Also, leave us a comment. Uh, that would also be a big help to us. Strickland also has merchandise, which is available on our website, which is www.thestrick.land. There's a link there that can take you, that'll take you to the store. Uh, and you can buy t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. Check that out. Again, that is on our store. That is on our website. Uh, link to the store is there. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag. Although it is no longer going to be The Doug Bag, it is now called Takes from Obvious Bozos. Shout out to our Discord channel. Um, and that will be not just with Doug, but also our social media extraordinaire, Zach Ladder. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Row, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, our NFL podcast, hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Rasmussen. That comes out once a week. They're doing a great job. Check that out. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening on our pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From Week 1 all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, all right, so now that I'm done fucking advertising for two minutes um the next time media day that was a thing that happened they have now uh started training camp i mean just 
not that there's a lot to go off of, but like, is there anything that you have seen or heard from what we have gotten in the last couple of days that you are intrigued by, that uh, you're interested by, that has piqued your interest, anything like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Quentin Grimes had an interesting quote, and, you know, I... I struggle with how much to like, how much to invest in sound bites and stuff like this, right? It's not unlike summer league in a lots of ways. And I have a little Schwinnie poo in the back of my head who's always like, it's summer league. It doesn't fucking matter. It's training camp. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it's media day. It doesn't fucking matter. Nothing fucking matters until yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. But, nothing. This is, it's all about championships. <laughs> yeah. But. I have a stronger voice inside of my head that is off-season video workout press that's like, it all fucking matters. This is the good yeah, shit. Yeah, so yeah, you get, you get the, you get the, um, I get the messages that are like, look at look at Tari Eason's knee bend here. This is amazing. Yeah, look at Tari Eason's knee bend versus Shabazz Napier or, or whatever. <laughs> I think Shabazz is actually playing in Europe now. Um, is he? Shout out, shout yeah, out. I, I, for some reason, his... Uh, his highlights for whatever team he's on just came across my uh, YouTube subscription feed earlier today. Um, I had a I had a Shabazz Napier agenda um, in the 2020 offseason when we signed. I remember back instead. Yeah, I remember. You were not alone. <laughs> I stood with you. I, I still think Shabazz would have been a better and more fun player to have than fucking Alfred Payton. But Shabazz you know. was just about five or six years. Born five or six years too late. If he was a little, if he was like in the like earlier part of the two thousands when small guards were a little more tenable, he would have cooked. But now every fucking point guard or initiator is like six five. So, uh, except for Jalen Brunson, so uh, just doesn't doesn't didn't quite work out for him. But no, so Quentin Grimes, um, he talked about a couple things. He talked about working with JJ Redick, um. Jay, he went to work out with J.J. Redick twice, and uh, I, don't, I don't even remember the exact context of the quote or the question, but basically um, he alluded to practicing pin downs and um, a little having a little more responsibility as a, the incumbent starting shooting guard. And, you know, one of the small things that we all asked for was a little bit more diversity in the offense. and the way that the most likely way for that to happen is obviously through the role players having more actions run for them away from our primary guys. Um, we're probably on the lower end of the spectrum as far as teams empowering role players to do stuff. But um, I think the combination of this front office's habit of adding things to the offense or switching things between seasons and us having seen them run some shootery actions for Fournier back in the day, um, you know, they they make it not so that I know it's a sure thing, but they, I think it's possible. Um, Grimes was not in the top 100 players in terms of frequency of shots off of screens last year. Not that he's really proven that he's amazing at it like Fournier has, but it is a weapon and I sent you a message um because I was digging into it and I was like why the fuck don't the Knicks 
do this stuff. So I kind of just got curious and started digging into the numbers of like, how successful are those kinds of plays really? And if you just look at the points per possession for like movement shooting, even for like the best non-Steph Curry movement shooters in the NBA, they're basically equal to like your average Jalen Brunson isolation possession. So, um, and they're less likely to result in offensive rebounds. So I kind of see both sides of the coin on like why we might run those or why we might not. Um, in our strict Strickland discord, we were also discussing it and like, you know, obviously the benefit isn't just Grimes is a good shooter. Let him get some different three pointers. It's that having players run around and stuff gives your offense a little more diversity and just, that doesn't just benefit the shooter, but like you can use it as decoy actions or guys like Julius can use it for fake handoffs and then, you know, drive versus a scrambling defense. And so it's not that like points per possession on movement shooting is the be all end all, but just any hint at we're at the point in the off season where like any hint at changes to schemes is like, catnip for fans on Twitter who are insane like me. So that just kind of stood out. And, you know, compared to other teams, as far as like preseason interviews go, the Knicks historically don't really say much. Like I've been seeing other shit from other teams like the Rockets and the Raptors and other teams with new coaches. And they're like, very explicitly talking in interviews about like the changes they want to make, which makes sense, right? Because they're new coaches and they're here to make their imprint and be different from the previous coaches. But I'm like, man, I wish I could get some insight into what changes the Knicks do, but we just kind of never do that. Our quotes from Tibbs, at least throughout the years, it's always kind of just like whatever. And then we learn the changes as we see them in the game. So I don't know. It's, I got excited about it. I'm trying to just not take too much from it, though, because there's a good chance it's just like a nothing burger. So that was kind of the first thing that jumped out. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i not super bullish about uh, a volume of plays being run from Quentin Grimes, but I am hopeful uh, that they do. And we know that, like, you know, I mean, the, the I think one of the, a good thing, but also a frustrating thing about Tibbs is like he does not change tactically in season very much. So like if he has decided that you are going to play role X on this team prior to the season, then it's very unlikely that that will change. So like even if your minutes get cut or your minutes get increased, you're going to be doing the things that he expected you and believes you can do. Um, what that means for Grimes is like last year, he basically was like, yeah, dude, you just play off ball. You catch, you shoot, you attack a closeout. That's it. We're not asking you to do anything else. We don't want you to do anything else. Um, now, I will say, I do think like, and we've seen this with quickly and honestly, like most of our young guys were like, they get a little bit more on their plate each year, um, you know, and I do think Grimes will probably have a little bit more leeway to um, be creative, I guess, when he gets the ball. And I mean, I think he even said that, right? He said like the the coaches are, um, they've been like 
telling him to be more aggressive offensively, uh, which I think is a good thing. Like he needs to be more aggressive. And I think like when he has good offensive games, it just adds so much to the offense. And it just, I feel like we always win when he plays well, because um, he gives you a dimension that I don't think we really have otherwise in terms of just volume catch and shoot, even against, you know, tight contests and stuff like that. Um, he just gives you a dimension we don't have otherwise offensively. So I do think he's going to do, do more. Like I, I, I buy that. I just don't know how much there is for him because ultimately at the end of the day, like you have Brunson, you have Randall, you have RJ Baird in the starting lineup. That's about, you know, that's like 28 usage a piece. So you're talking about like what? 84 usage or something like that between the three of those guys. There's just not a lot to go around there. Um, and obviously Mitch being like the lowest usage player ever kind of helps, but it still doesn't leave you very much for Grimes to experiment. It would need to come from somebody in that group really like downshifting. And I'm not sure that is going to happen or that that is likely. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm very excited to see how Quentin Grimes looks this year. Uh, I know that he's no Devin Vassell, but, um, he is, uh, he is good. Like he did play on a playoff team, but you just can't really compare him to somebody who put up uh, 18 points per game on the worst team in basketball. You know, just, uh, those guys are just, they're, they're not a dime a dozen, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, we'll see what he does. I, I'm just, they, they play on Monday. They play the Celtics on Monday. I don't know. How, I don't personally feel like there's much to take away from preseason, and I kind of expect Tibbs to like. I'm not gonna say experiment, but uh, I, I feel like this is probably the team. Like he knows this team very well, right? Like eight of the nine guys that are going to be in rotation were back were in the rotation last year, and the two guys that are like situational, you know, Deuce and Sims. He obviously is very familiar with them over the last two years, and like. This team is very settled, so I feel like he probably doesn't need to like, like he won't. I don't. I don't think he'll feel as much of a need to. Oh, I got to get this starting lineup rolling because you know uh, this is new and all these. No, it's the same starting five, right? He, I mean, he basically confirmed that the other day. So um, hopefully, like he feels comfortable then, just kind of letting Grimes do a little bit more and see what he can do in preseason. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, the real like we saw Grimes expand his like late in the season where there were in when there were a little bit of injuries. That's when we saw him cook a little more and do a little more. So, like you know, nobody. I don't think anybody doubts that it's there. It's just like you said, it's really not that much usage. Parts of the offense will change, but like Julius and RJ and Randall. I mean, and Brunson getting a lot of touches, that's not going to change. So, um, I don't know. Even I mean, if it's like, honestly, like Grimes' non-stationary shooting is so minimal that, like, if he just gets, like, one, three off the screen per game, that's probably going to result in a massive increase in, like, overall diversity of usage for him. That's just kind of where we're at. Just because he's so low on that, uh, on just the volume of like not of regular ass of non regular standing still in the corner threes that he takes, 
is is just really low. So it'll be interesting. Um, one question I've been thinking about, and I'd be curious to know what you think is like. Do you think anything's gonna change in the offense? Like, I know I'm trying to think back to last season, and you know, last season we definitely had more roster turnover, and I don't think we foresaw. Like the biggest changes to me were obviously like Brunson doing Brunson stuff, but after that, like Randall caught out the long twos. Um, everybody started shooting floaters, and that was pretty much it. I mean, guys learned how to draw more fouls, so I'm trying to think of like what changes could happen in the offense realistically, and now that we have you know, less roster turnover, I think naturally you're not going to see as many changes, especially since we had a good offense. Um, so I don't know. I've just been trying to think, like, what changes might we see in the offense or the defense, right? Like, the defense, we know it's going to involve playing a true center all the time. But the defense actually didn't work that well, right? Like, our defense was good in the playoffs. and bad in the regular season so if you're Tibbs there's kind of reason to be like well the thing worked when we needed it to work right it just took us a while to learn how to execute that and we just need to be more consistent so I could see Tibbs pretty much keeping the defense the same but I could also see him tweaking it because between seasons is when he tweaks stuff so like does anything jump out to you on either end as like if you had to think something would change it might um, I'm not sure. Like defensively, I wonder if they'll be more willing to switch, uh, more often. Like, I don't know. The starting lineup is weird because you can't switch a ton because of Brunson. Like he's, he, he just can't. So you have to cover for him and RJ and Randall. Like, I actually think switching would benefit both of them a lot. Um, but I think because he doesn't feel comfortable exposing Brunson to something like that, um, that will stay the same. But I do wonder if, like, over the course of 48 minutes, we see them be more comfortable with switching because, like, you're taking out Obi, who, you know, I think Obi is nowhere near as bad a defender as, like, people claim he is, but he's not a good defender. Um, and he's not right. somebody that Tibbs was comfortable switching. Whereas DiVincenzo, who is effectively replacing him, like, he is somebody who does switch and can switch, and like that is one of the strengths of adding a player like or that. Josh Hart, so, yeah, or jo and Josh Hart. So like we have these two guys, and Josh Hart obviously was here last year, but he came at the trade deadline. Like we're having these guys mm -hmm. now for a full season. So I do think like over the course of forty-eight minutes a night, we will see more switching than we have seen from them previously. Um, and. That's probably the one thing I'm like most interested in is how much they do. Like offensively, I just I don't know. Like I don't think Tibbs is just like he's not the most creative offensive mind ever. Um, but like I he knows what he wants and he's consistent with it. So like I won't bag on him too much for that. I just think expecting much more than like the status quo of what we do is probably not accurate um and i just think like he will view what we did last year and be like well we were the third best offense in basketball so let's just keep doing the things that we're good at 
and hopefully we get better at them. I mean, he's talked about this. He said this in a few of his quotes from this week where he was like, our goal is basically to be above average or like top 10 in three-point volume and three-point accuracy, which obviously they did the former, but not the latter. And so I think he'll probably just be like, we can shoot it better, so let's just get better at shooting. Now, will that happen? I have no idea. Um, I think I think guys like Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, even DiVincenzo, even though he's new, those guys feel to me like pretty stable three-point shooters to a certain degree. Like I think that you kind of know what the baseline is for those guys over the course of a full season. The ones that are a little bit more tricky, even like Julius, I mean, he shot 34% last year. Like that's not, I don't think he's going to like crater from that. Um, I know that the previous season he shot really poorly, but what, he ended up shooting like 31% or something like that from three that year. Mm -hmm. It was bad, but like, it's not, I mean, I guess 3% is a big drop off, but it's like, I don't know. I I just kind of feel like 34%. Okay. I, I, I can kind of feel, I feel like that's more or less the, a number that I'm comfortable betting on him reaching again. Um, the big one for me is RJ Barrett. I mean, is RJ Barrett going like the guy shot 40% from three, two years ago, and then he's 34% the year after. And then last year he was what 30 or 31%, whatever it was. He was not a good three point shooter last year. And like, that's the big one for me. Cause he gets a lot of clean looks teams dare him basically to take that shot. They're willing to concede that shot. Um, he just needs to hit it at a higher clip. And if he does like, that to me is the ultimate lowest hanging fruit that there is for us as a team. And like, you know, we've talked about RJ endlessly, but like between just shoot league average from three and like convert some of those, those two or three stupid shots in the paint that he takes a game uh, that he forces up, convert some of those into kickouts. Like those are the things that I think will move the needle, not just for him, but for the team in, in the biggest way. So like I'm, yeah, I mean, those are those are like the very specifically the things that for me I'm looking at. Um, like, I don't know. I I'm like weirdly intrigued by Quickly's usage. I want to see what that looks like this year because and and by usage I mean literally his usage rate, not um, like how he is role he being used in his role. Because if you look at his numbers over the course of his career, it's pretty interesting. Like, so he's you know he's his rookie year, 25.6 usage. Second year, 22.2. Last year, 20.9. Um, and some of that is, you know, he played a lot more with Brunson last year than he has played with other point guards previously. But, like, I I kind of feel like he is somebody who is very keenly aware, and I think Tibbs is also like this, like keenly aware of what does and doesn't work for him. And last year was easily the best year of his career. I mean, it's only been three years, but like, I think it was definitely, you know, he was, he took a, a, a real step last year. And I kind of feel like he benefited from being more judicious, not just in his shot selection, but also just like the volume of shots he's taking. And I wonder if that's, you know, is he going to inch his usage back up or like, are we settling into he is good? His optimal role is like as a, 21 22 type of usage guy and i'm i'm very curious about that because again like he had his best year as a pro last year and um look if we're gonna be honest like the scoring was great you would like to see him be a little bit better as a passer last from last year like he his assist rate dropped from the previous season from 24 and a half to 17.4 uh i think some of that is kind of like 
tactically how he's used and what Tibbs wants like from him. Like playing the two guard right. in the, but end I of the game. Right. But I still I still would like to see him uh, be more consistent with his driving kick decisions and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think broadly speaking, those are the things I'm most intrigued by. And, like, as we talked about, Quentin Grimes' usage. And I guess, like, the DiVincenzo part, like, I just want to see what positions, roles, groups he plays DiVincenzo with and in. Um, and I am very excited for that bench unit because I think they're going to be fucking really fun. Uh, I think he's going to be, like, I think DiVincenzo is going to be such a fun player for this team uh, and this roster. So I'm pretty excited for that. With Dante, another thing that kind of ties to the Grimes discussion is like Dante had, I mean, of the Warriors, right? So Dante had quite a few three-point attempts off of screens and handoffs. So I feel like having multiple players with that skill set will give kids more reason to make that a part of the offense. That way it's more of a consistent, like, you know, most of the time, not most of the time, but if you, if it's not just like, oh, when Grimes is on the floor, but like we're going to have these shots for Grimes quickly and Dante, then that's pretty much most of the minutes, right? So it just becomes a staple. And it's, we know Tibbs likes doing, he's not the type of guy who likes to really have things schematically change from one lineup to another, um, pretty much the only exception to that is bench units run more and starting units isolate a lot more. But aside from that, like the centers play pretty much the same. Um, you know, everyone takes floaters. They still don't take a lot of mid-range shots, blah, blah, blah. So um, if those th- if those three are taking are playing with handoffs and things like that and shooting transition threes and shit like that, then um, I can see that being uh, a big difference. Another, another thing I wonder about is like parts of the offense did change with Josh Hart last year, particularly transition. Um, And, you know, Obi's gone Hart is here. I do wonder if we don't run more this year. Um, I still probably would be pretty surprised if the starters ran a lot more, which is a shame to me, even though like there is value to slowing it down and letting Julius and, and Brunson isolate. But pretty much everyone in the starting lineup is good at transition offense, and the bench, even without Obi, is great, legitimately great at that. Um, guys like quickly shoot like 44% on transition threes. Dante's good at that. Obviously, Josh Hart is exceptional at that. So, um, I don't know. I was trying to dig around for stats about what our transition offense frequency looked like before and after Josh Hart, and I couldn't find it in 10 minutes, and then I gave up. So, I haven't confirmed that anything changed. Um, And part of me suspects that a lot of the transition changes after Josh Hart were literally just Josh Hart. Like, if you take out transition initiated by Josh Hart, it was probably looked a lot the same. So um, I wouldn't be super surprised in that respect. Um, one other thing you were talking about quickly, Quickly's last season to me was defined by him just kind of exploring his abilities, right? Like for better and for worse, this was the first full season he had where he was consistently a drive threat. 
um, to score, to pass, to draw fouls, um, not just the floater threat, but all the way to the rim. Um, it was the first season uh, as a pro where his three-point three-pointers per 100 possessions dipped into single digits to nine and a half. Year before that, it was 11. Rookie year, it was 12. Um, so I do wonder, is that going to hold um, as his role as like part-time facilitator, foul drawer, floater, savant? Like, does, does that hold or do they encourage him to like let it rip a little bit more from three? Um, I mean, I don't, so this is the thing, like, I don't actually think he's necessarily discouraged from letting it rip. I think it's more a thing where like, I mean, he, and he's talked about, he talked about this going back to his rookie year where it's like, he's like aware that dribble penetration, scoring inside the arc, like those things were things that he needed to improve on as a player. And he's like, right. he, every offseason, he's talked about this. Like, I'm trying to, like, I want to get better at this, right? And he's, even this year, uh, they, like, he he said, like, I I worked, like, I want to, I added more weight. I want to add more weight. I want to get bigger. And, like, I like I, he's very aware of the reasons why he dropped to where he did in the draft, you know? Um, although, apparently, the Knicks reached to, to take him, and it was, uh, nepotism at its finest. Um, shout out nepotism, doing wonders for my yeah. Team. Discouraging him was probably the wrong word. Um, you're yeah, right. No, I, I know what you mean Tibbs though. I any, think it's. I don't think Tibbs has any problem with yeah. I think Tibbs driving or like, shooting Tibbs as long yeah. as Tibbs, as long as he's aggressive, Tibbs is probably cool with it. So it's just a matter of like. No, but I, I'm with you. Like I want to get. It. Yeah, I want to get back to those games where like he takes like fucking twelve threes. You know what I mean? Like I want <laughs> to see those games because it's a weapon and like i do think part of what he struggled with in the playoffs is like teams are more dialed in to your tendencies right you're you're on the he's on the scouting report now like that's the reality like he and they're also dialed more dialed into the team's tendencies and the next team tendency is to get into the paint right so like more so than the regular season they were going to pack the paint on us which makes it hard and quickly, like many of the Knicks, was defaulted to just like fucking kamikaze into the bait and then figure it out, right? <laughs> so yeah, and I think, there was I think times just, they dared him to shoot, and he was like, I'm still going in, bitches. And it was tougher. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.